Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Finneran's Wake. I am, with unwavering commitment to the cause of great conversation, your faithful friend and host, Daniel Finneran. Thank you so very much for joining us today. I'm joined by my recurring guest, to whom you've been well and hopefully favorably acquainted, the powerful, the indestructible, the well-bearded, and well-mannered James Flood. James, thank you for agreeing to join me again today. Well, thanks for having me. The introductions keep getting better and better. I have to one-up myself every single time. <laughs> well, you are deserving of all these wonderful introductions. Thanks, thank you. <laughs> and behind the camera today, I have to extend my gratitude to my father, who has situated us to look as pretty as we possibly can be in this lovely June day. We have two cameras, some wonderful microphones, so Hopefully the visual and audio quality today will be far better than it's been in episodes past. <laughs> uh, so I wanted this episode to be relevant to all parties present. I was thinking about that as I was considering the topics about which we could talk. Being that my father is here, uh, being that uh, you know you have your young son at home and and your father and and you and I are in the same decade currently, but, you know, on yeah. other ends of it, uh, the beginning and the end. <laughs> I wanted to talk about fitness through the ages, fitness mm -hmm. through, through the different decades of life. The idea for this conversation is how to dominate the decade in which you're living. So be it your 20s, be it your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, your 60s, your 70s. How does one thrive in each of these decades how should you approach fitness? Should you approach it with an idea of increasing strength, balance, endurance, flexibility? Now, as we go through the decades, we discussed this beforehand, you're going to give us some advice that you might give to, let's say, a client whom you were training, but also some uh, techniques of which you might have made use when you were younger, things that maybe you did incorrectly, yeah. that you would want to correct in the 20-year-old James or in the 31-year-old James or what have you. So yeah. why don't you lead us off with techniques to employ when you're in your second decade of life. So for all of you 20-year-olds out there, what should you focus on in that decade? I'm, so when you're in your 20s, uh, pretty much everything you do is going to have a positive effect in the gym. Your hormone levels are at the highest they're ever going to be your just recovery is through the roof. So everything that you do is going to have a positive effect. But I wish I knew this, like going, you know, training in my 20s instead of, you know, I did a lot of different power lifting and like, you know, one rep max and stuff like that. And I got some injuries from that. So I wish I would have strayed away from trying to max out so much, you know. Mm. So I'd say in your 20s, the best thing to do is intensity because you're going to recover. So you train as intense as you can for, you know, about an hour. You know, if you're not if you're not with a training partner, maybe an hour and fifteen, hour and twenty, if you're with a training partner. But the main thing to focus on in your twenties is compound movements and, uh, you know, your bench, your bench press, your squat, your uh, deadlift, pull ups. But also in the same aspect of that, you can hit your muscle groups more frequently because you're 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 able to recover faster. So I'd say. Um, at least twice a week, you know, hit each muscle group twice a week. Um, 
one of the things I always incorporated and just learned from like old school bodybuilding and the encyclopedia to modern bodybuilding by Arnold uh, is supersetting. Okay. Like, you know, he, he incorporated this in his competition days. Right. But, uh, you know, if you're not competing, you're just every day working out. Supersetting is one of the best things. It compounds the workout, gets the timing of the workout down, intensity goes up. Uh, therefore, and, f- and for yeah. those of us who are unacquainted with the term supersetting, yeah. what is supersetting? So supersetting is where you pick two exercises and you put them back to back. You can do, for example, give us an you example. You can do uh, the same muscle. You could do uh, two different exercises for biceps, or you can do the antagonist muscle. You could do superset bicep and tricep exercise. So, just depends on what you're trying to you know do that day. Mm-hmm. But in particular, I always love supersetting everything. <laughs> it's just uh-huh. it's a way to. Uh, burn more calories and up the intensity without having to really do uh, a whole lot of other right. crazy stuff. And that's another term on which I want to drill down, and that is intensity. Yeah. You know, you, you, we like to all think that is the moment we walk into the gym, we're training with intensity or we're doing things with intensity, uh, but oftentimes we're not. So, mm-hmm. so to you, what does intensity mean? Well, intensity, uh, basically, I mean, you can go into the gym and everybody, weight's relative, okay? So... You know, 135 can be super heavy for somebody and super light for somebody. But you can also make something that's super light for you hard by doing more reps, taking shorter rest periods. So it's basically the intensity is how hard you're making that particular exercise for for a given uh, workout, a given set. So that's basically intensity. <laughs> yeah, and I'm reminded of of a phrase that a prior guest of mine, uh, Marty Gallagher, yeah. uh, used, and that is making heavy weights light. I'm sorry, making light weights heavy. My apologies. It's just the reverse. Yeah. Uh, so, for instance, what I will do oftentimes, and I'm not lifting very heavy weights, but uh, I'll get onto the bench press, mm-hmm. and with just the bar, I'll focus uh, very attentively on my technique. Mm-hmm. And with, simply with just the bar, I can feel now more than ever the activation of all the pectoral muscles. Yeah. Uh, and there is a certain intensity even to that, even to my warm-up sets. So it doesn't need to be a, a maximum repetition every every time you're in the gym to for it to be intense. Mm-hmm. It simply needs to be deliberate, and you need to be working very hard in those deliberate periods. Yeah, it's a, the the mind-muscle connection is a powerful thing. So if you're in the gym and you're thinking about everything else, what you're going to do outside the gym instead of what you're actually doing. Your intensity is going to go down. So, like you said, you know, uh, just focusing on the stretching of the pec on the negative of the rep, and then on the concent- on the, you know, the concentric, yeah. you're focusing on flexing. So basically, like what I think of when I'm working out now, which I wish I knew when I was in my 20s, is just all you're doing with the weights is flexing. You're just flexing as hard as you can with uh-huh. the added weight. Uh-huh. So, I mean, you could put on relatively no weight on the on the bench and move it super slow. That's another uh, intensity uh, thing that you can add to your training program. Super slow. And that makes it so much harder. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Mm -hmm. it looks... That's one aspect of training of which, in my 20s especially, I had absolutely no conception. And that is that mind-muscle connection. And I would always hear talk of it, uh, but to me it was this undiscovered country, this unknown land. Like, how does one capture this feeling? And it truly wasn't until I got late into my 20s or even into my 30s that I really began to... uh, I don't think you ever master that mind-muscle connection, but 
I came to a closer expertise of it. I, I came some uh, days better than not. Yeah, yes. you're absolutely right, and it does take a a different level of focus of of cognitive effort to be able to attain that mind muscle connection. So maybe in your twenties, you're focusing on intensity. Mm -hmm. Um, rapidity because frequency, yeah. frequency yeah. I should say because you don't need as much time between sessions to recover your recovery period is shorter uh, because you're in such an anabolic period of your life and yeah. uh, you know you're just it's just a prime time for muscle building and for recovery yeah. um, uh, but also if I could add my uh, my part for the second decade of life it would be trying to get in touch with that mind muscle connection yeah. the sooner you're able to do that in your weightlifting career the better it'll be uh, the 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 less weight you'll have to try to push off your chest when yeah. you're doing those you know those maximum repetition days because you know that you'll be training intensely even with lighter weights it's it's so true i mean i mean like i said i wish that i focus on that right off the bat but i really came into lifting from football and sports uh -huh. so as so main, many do yeah, yeah yeah the main aspect was get as strong as possible and right. you see all these guys benching 315 right right that was that was one of my stronger lifts but what happens is you actually end up tearing things and mm -hmm. like i tore i i don't know i partially tore my pack i never I didn't need surgery but mm -hmm. um if i could have avoided these things i mean which i've learned to listen to my body mm -hmm. that's another thing you learn it after your, your 20s so you listen to your body you know okay if i if i push it a little bit too far on this exercise I might do something bad so that's you know you, you learn you learn when to stop when to go when to uh, you know put the foot on the pedal and when to press the brakes like mm -hmm. this you know, so it, mm -hmm. there's a lot of different aspects but I say in the 20s the main thing you want to focus on is building that foundation mm -hmm. and really pushing hard and just doing what you got to do yeah and always focusing on the cardio too uh, absolutely yeah. absolutely and unspoken in the term building that foundation is learning the lifts mm -hmm. how does one properly do the deadlift how does one properly do an overhead press now there are a plethora of videos available online for yeah. you to be able to do that you can always reach out to a trainer such as james <laughs> and he will gladly uh, take you through these movements teach you how to do them appropriately um, and really bestow upon you a mastery that will carry on with you for all of your life. Um, there's also a, a book that I would recommend. It's called Starting Strength. It's, it was written by a, a friend of Marty Gallagher's, the, yeah. the man with whom I had a, an interview a few months ago at this point. And that is by a man by the name of Mark Ripito, famous in the, the world of powerlifting. Uh, and, and the book is very simply designed and very accessible. Uh, so I think that's a critical part of building that foundation um, to which you referred. Making sure that you have especially those four or five compound lifts down pat. And then those are the lifts upon which you build your intensity and then from which you're able to recover as you go about your day. Yeah. So I think we both agree on most of the things that you have to do in your 20s. And it's a difficult time. And uh, ego is a big part of it as yeah. well. Yeah. As you know, you suffered from it. I yeah. suffered from it. Uh, it's, it's effect. Uh, but you need to try to stifle that ego and focus on the process and be mindful about it. So I think that covers the 20s pretty well, oh, pretty yeah. thoroughly. Yeah. So now as we enter into our 30s, what changes? What is different? How are you now approaching things? Like I said, you're at the latter half of your 30s, still looking That's amazing. The difference between the beginning <laughs> and the end. Yeah. And I am 
in the early stages of yeah. my 30s. So you have a lot uh, to look But we both, <laughs> but we train very similarly. Yeah. Uh, so how, how as you've gone across this decade, how has your approach to training changed, and how would you recommend those of us in our 30s uh, approach our training? So in your 20s, you know, most of you, you know, you played some kind of recreational sports in high school. They made you stretch. They made you do your cardiovascular exercises. And you're pretty limber and nimble. If you were to continue to train and not do the flexibility aspect and the cardiovascular, you become very unathletic. Mm. You may look big. You may look fantastic, you know, but tying your shoes is a job, you know. So you want to, you want, what I'd say going into your 30s to really focus on is still hitting those compound movements, Mm -hmm. supersets but also the flexibility and the cardiovascular because that's what starts to go down in your 30s. You start getting aches and pains in places you never normally did. Or you're like me and you play softball instead of baseball now and you pull your hamstring 17 times and you're like, okay. Just taking that first step to go toward first base from the plate. (laughs) Yeah, it's either the first or the last one when you're trying to stretch for Mm -hmm. the plate. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, I'd say the most important thing really is to – yeah, like focus on your cardio and your flexibility as you're starting to build in, right. you know, into the into the 30s, right. especially towards the latter part of your Right, 30s. and of course, I should note, we're, we're talking strictly about your physical output. We're not talking about your nutritional input. We're, so I, I just yeah. say that as a, uh, just to mention it, you know, if those of you who are watching are wondering, well, should I be supplementing with creatine or should I be oh. now pursuing a certain uh, supplement of some sort? We're not addressing that right now. Perhaps in a future episode, episode we will. Yeah. Of course. Uh, but for now, we're just focusing on the, on the physical, and I agree with you entirely again. Uh, oftentimes, the, the limberness, the, um, the flexibility of our youth carries on with us to our 20s, but then we begin to stiffen up, especially if you implement a good, intense training mm-hmm. regimen in your 20s. You're starting to put on muscle mass, yeah. right? You're starting to lift quite a bit of weight, well, then what happens? You become yeah. very strong, but very inflexible. Yes. And so what you need to do is begin incorporating more yoga movements, um, you know, just sustained stretching, which is something that I try to implement at least once a week, a very long session, just yeah. dedicated very strictly mobility. to, to yeah. stretching and mobility. Another one, foam rolling, mm-hmm. uh, getting the Theragun onto my legs and, and using yeah. that. All that outside recovery stuff like ice baths and cold showers mm-hmm. and uh, saunas, it's... Uh, it's a lot more important, mm-hmm. you know, in your 30s and your 20s, you're like, whatever, you know, you th- go out there and train the next day and you're fine. But in your 30s, you really got to be more thoughtful and mindful about the recovery because the next day you go into the gym, if you tweak something, it's yeah. not going to be as... Yeah. Now, you still out. are in an anabolic phase of Definitely. your life. And by that, I just mean you're in a stage of life that is more conducive to the growth of, of good muscle. Yeah. Right, protein th- synthesis will be kind of revved up still. Your testosterone levels will hopefully, uh, assuming that you don't have some sort of malady or deficiency, will still be relatively high. Uh, yeah. But uh, you you won't be able to recover quite as quickly as you did in your early 20s especially. So that you need to take that into consideration and Definitely. tailor your workouts around that fact or to that fact. I've always been a big uh, advocate to... I'd say shortening your rest periods, mm-hmm. okay? You know, the, t- the typical bodybuilding 
masking is a nice play. <laughs> but um, you take you know two minute breaks, do your set, do another. You know, I, I like to really shorten those breaks mm-hmm. as, as, to a point to where it's it's as short as you can make it. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'm like 20 seconds, go and do another set, rest 20 seconds. You know, and sometimes I I just go back and forth like we said about the super setting yeah. without resting. So you really just got to listen to your body. That's what you really get in tune with in your 30s is, is just knowing, okay, I'm okay to do this today. I feel good to do this. Oh, that didn't feel good. As soon as something doesn't feel good, put the weights down, do something else. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's smart lifting instead of getting hurt. Absolutely. Know? And that intelligence and that storage of knowledge only will increase as you go throughout the decades. Yeah. So to re- to recap, because I feel like we could spend even more time on our 30s, yeah. given the fact that we are in our 30s. Yeah. Uh, Flexibility and cardio conditioning are going to be essential now. Hopefully by this point you have established a good, strong foundation. You're, you have all of your fundamental lifts perfected. You've been able to put on some good muscle mass. Uh, your recovery periods are good enough for, for when you're in your 20s, but in your 30s you now you're more conscious of the fact that mm-hmm. you do need to take care of yourself a little bit more in that regard. Your flexibility needs to improve yep. and also cardio conditioning. One thing that I will add, and this is something about which my father and I were talking just yesterday, mm-hmm. along with your cardio output, you need to do a little bit of anaerobic Sprinting, a little bit of anaerobic output. And uh, (laughs) we've talked about this as well. Uh, I've uh, been inconsistent with this, but I'm now really trying as consistently as possible to implement uh, at least one day of sprinting into my my exercise routine. I think if you continue on with that from your 20s, from the sports that you're playing, and you carry on into your 30s, having a good sprinting habit, that's so much better and so much easier than to cut sprinting out of your life completely and then try to return to it because it'll be um, injurious to one's ego (laughs) once you do begin trying to run as quickly as you can and realizing that you're nowhere near as fast as you once were Um, and also much better for your metabolism it'll keep you revved up and it's also good for testosterone production so that was that that would be my only addition to your third decade of life Uh, you know they say uh, some people after high school never sprint again yeah I mean because you this is not what you want yeah. to do. Some, and yeah. think about that for those of you who are listening. When is the last time outside of a proper athletic event, a sporting event or a team, uh, you know, on which you were a member, did you actually sprint full out as fast as you can on the grass, on the pavement, on the sand? Very few of us will ever do that again after about the age of, what, 20? Yeah, I'd say even maybe younger, even sooner. maybe, maybe, maybe even sooner in life. We got um, a nice field over there if you want to get a couple in after. We're going to drop the microphones in a couple minutes. <laughs> but before we do that, let's talk about the fourth decade of life. Let's start moving on through these yeah. decades. So you're on the you're on the uh, on, <laughs> on the threshold of yeah. of the fourth decade of life. So, so tell us as you plan to cross that threshold, well, how will you adjust your training in what ways and how would you advise others in their 40s to adjust their training? Well, I uh, already started doing that in, in my head and the last couple of years is just uh, um, as you get in your 40s you got to think about ligaments tendons mm. and um, you know your your joints are not going to get much better than they are right now you know it's only going to go the opposite way so mm. um, what what helps that is uh, not trying to be a mass monster anymore mm. you know uh, trying to refine the muscles that you already have maybe you know not gaining weight more of uh sharpening the look of the muscles you know hardening them up 
getting as lean as possible without, you know, being unhealthy. Right, you know, or being, sacrificing uh, the good muscle quality that exactly. you've obtained. Exactly, because mm. that's going to be hard to get back. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'd say in the 40s, it's just, you know, really thinking mindfully about uh, protecting your joints, not trying to gain all kinds of, you know, weight, no more bulking, no more. I never really was really too big into bulking and cutting and doing all. You know, I did some bodybuilding shows, but I, I didn't like fluctuating too much. You mm-hmm. know, and, and I did a couple times. I'm not gonna lie, I did a couple times, but it was, I just, it, it felt the, very unhealthy. It felt uh, just not, not good for your body. So I like to stay in the same, you know, five five pound difference mm. year round. Now, so. Uh, and now, aside from focusing on your flexibility, is there anything else that you will do or do? specifically to protect your joints like what does that mean exactly protecting one's joints yeah like the flexibility the mobility is uh keeping the muscles as strong as possible as we age is going to protect your joints you know so like people uh i've trained clients all the way up to their you know like night i had a guy who was 99 he was 99 he was he was she stopped uh he was a dermatologist Uh, right and uh he was he was phenomenal shape i mean but he he, he worked out his whole time. He never stopped. And I think that was what the key is with working out is just, yeah. if you stop, it's a lot harder to yeah. get those, you know, blood flow. and Absolutely. And, and that really, you know, is what we're trying to do here is just get blood flow into the muscles, get the, get the circulatory system functioning correctly. And uh, what I have added in the last, you know, two years is started running again for, mm-hmm. for distance. I never did that. Maybe like in football and baseball, that's about it. And I'll tell you what, when I started, I was about 235, 240, about 205 right now. Pounds, weight. Yeah, Mm -hmm. 205, yep, right now. And it was very humbling because I thought I was in good shape. And I ran a quarter mile and I was like walking and I was gasped. And, you know, now I'm doing like three, five miles a day. And and I can attest to this. We met, I think, when you were very early on this adventure yeah. into running. Yeah, and, and, and <laughs> you know, I could tell it's humbling because I went through it as well. I'm not naturally a runner. I sort yeah. of took it up independently. And like you said, it is very humbling, uh, especially if your body isn't uh, tradition, built in the traditional runner's form as yours isn't, nor yeah, is mine. No, no. Uh, we've kind of worked ourselves for a certain purpose, and that is, you know, strength and aesthetics. Yeah, yeah, and hypertrophy. Things like that. So, putting on your your Saucony running shoes and going out yeah. there for five to six miles is going to be, is going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult mentally, uh, emotionally, physically, of course. Um, I'll tell you what, it makes the the weights that much easier. You mm-hmm. know? I mean, after I run, because th- I like to do it first. I'm, I'm a little crazy like that. Mm-hmm. I like to do it as kind of like a warm up. So I'll run three miles and then I'll go. I'm feeling warm and hot, and I'll, I'll go work out right afterwards. Right. After that, the weights are easy. I'm like, this thing, yeah. thank God I'm done with that. You yeah. Know? Like, yeah. But what I have noticed from adding that in is I get a pump much easier mm-hmm. and I can go a lot quicker in the workouts. Right. And I think there's something more to that, yeah. more to be said than simply the physical aspect, and that is the motivational part. Yeah. Right. So you're adding in something at which you're not historically very good running, nor am I. But now it's a new challenge. Like, yeah. So let's say you've established your routine through your 20s, your 30s. You've done everything correctly with um, uh, capitalizing on the mm-hmm. anabolic period. Now you're, you've incorporated your flexibility mm-hmm. and aerobic output in your, 
in your um, 30s and now in your 40s, you're protecting your joints, um, but you're also incorporating a new challenge. So it doesn't have to be long distance running. It could be, well, it could be, it could be swimming. I mean, it could be, it could be yeah. completely buoyant. I mean, uh, still swimming is something that you know yeah. on which I need to improve, uh, and at which I'm very poor at currently. But again, it's a new activity that can challenge one, uh, you know yeah. one's one's body and one's overall physical capabilities. So, let's say in our 40s. Again, not excluding all the other great things that we need to do leading up to that decade, um, but we're also going to prioritize the protection of joints. All right, so we're going to maybe lift a little less weight, so not quite as heavy. We're also going to continue with our flexibility regimen. All right, so now we're through our 40s, we're entering our 50s. Yeah. What do you think about the 50s? What would you recommend someone in his 50s to do? I'd say if you're still working out in your 50s, that's an awesome thing, and to continue along the same path as your 40s, keeping your your you know your joints flexible, your your mobility, your biceps, triceps, keep everything strong. You just keep keep going. I'd say it's pretty similar to your 40s. You know, besides that, what's going to happen is when you when you hit your uh, most people, most men, when they hit their 50s, uh, their testosterone is going to start dropping a lot. So you're training frequency of muscle groups shouldn't be twice you shouldn't really once a week i would say max for for recovery reasons uh, especially if you're not on uh testosterone replacement therapy mm -hmm. at that point in time mm -hmm. because you're just not going to be able to recover so once a week per muscle group once a week okay yeah. now when i spoke with marty gallagher mm -hmm. to whom i'm repeatedly making reference yeah. he recommended never ceasing barbell training he oh, no. says to continue yeah. it on through till the very end. What do you think about that? I totally agree. I think uh, machines are great because you, know, you, you can, it puts you in a fixed range of motion where injuries are less. Uh -huh. But if you never cease the barbell exercises, you're always working those little stabilizer muscles that are, you know, keep everything from being injured in the first place. So, yeah, I, I agree with 100%. And if you can still continue to run, please do that. Because yeah. I mean, people say, "Oh, you know, do your don't your knees hurt because you're running your over 200 pounds?" I'm like, "No, my knees feel better than they ever have. Mm -hmm. my, my everything feels better than they ever have. Mm -hmm. When I didn't run, everything was stiff. Yeah, I had an ACL replacement left knee from football, and I swear running has made it 99% better. Very like, good. You know, just it's just get that this excuse yeah. I think in your head." is to be like, oh yeah, it's, I'm gonna hurt more when I'm done. Yeah. And it's usually the opposite. And I will add another integral part uh, regarding the barbell, the continuation of yeah. barbell training into your elder years is yeah. also the core. You talked about all these stability, mu yeah. stabilizing muscles, of course, which are integral uh, to your overall well-being, but also the strength of the core can't be overlooked. I mean, when you're doing a proper deadlift or even a squat, especially mm -hmm. a squat, and you're pushing up and you're totally engaged from the very bottom of your abdomen, your pelvis, your abdomen, to mm -hmm. just below the pectoral muscles, I mean, that is about as good and thorough and complete yeah. and a core in, uh, workout that, that one can possibly have. Oh, yes. Yeah, definitely. Which is essential as you age, essential as you get into your 50s uh, and 60s especially. I mean... When I trained uh, at a country club, most of my clients were uh, elderly, you know. Mm -hmm. And the big major thing with them is hip mobility. Mm. 
I'm like, can you do this? Can you move your hip back and forward? And 90, 90% of them, they're stuck. So I focused on deadlifts and you know hip extensions, uh, hyperextensions. But I don't really per, per se, at that age group, like the barbell deadlift as much as for the 20s and 30s. I like either the, the hex bar, mm. where the weight is distributed evenly through your spine, mm-hmm. or dumbbells, where you mm. can put them at your side. Mm. So it puts a little bit more safer position for, the, you know, as you age. Because you don't want to pull your back deadlifting in your 50s. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit longer of a recovery yeah. process. And, of course, for those of you listening, the hex bar <laughs> is a fantastic device, of which I try to make use yeah. as often as I can. It's shaped like a hexagon. You step into it, Mm -hmm. and it puts you in a much more physiologically advantageous position. It's not as strenuous on the back. Mm -hmm. Um, The handles are by your side as opposed to in front of you. So it gives you a very um, good and easy bar path to bring that weight up to the standing position. You don't got to rip your shins up with the bar as as, opposed to straight bar. So upon the discovery of that hex bar, yeah. you know, I've I've never gone back. I, I you know I love to use it. Occasionally I will go back to the to the proper barbell, sort of as, as a uh, allegiance to the past and to the purity of the lift. But the hex bar really is a game changer. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to transition. I'm going to use the hex, which of course means six. It's a six-sided yeah. bar, and with that we're going to go into the sixth decade of life. All right. So we covered our twenties, our thirties, our forties, mm-hmm. our fifties. Uh, the 50s, 60s, and 70s, there will be a lot of overlap, but maybe you can point to some nuances between those three decades, things on which you especially want to focus as you enter into your sixth decade of life. Well, I mean, what, what, what we stated before, core strength is is crucial now, okay? Because, I mean, everything we do, you don't realize it involves some sort of abdominal muscle, whether it be the... The, reg, the, the abdominal muscles, the obliques, the intercostals, everything you do is going to involve that. And the stronger you can have those, the better. So I, I recommend training them. I mean, if you can, you can train them every day. Abs. I mean, it's not it's not a muscle that you're going to overwork and be too sore that you can't function. So, I mean, I like to do um, giant sets, which uh, giant sets are basically you take you know, five to six, maybe seven exercises and do them back to back, no rest. Mm. Okay. So it's almost, it's like a superset, but with more exercises. Mm -hmm. So, um, if you do that, you know, for 10 minutes every day, you pick 10 different exercises, you're going to be sitting pretty on your sixties. Okay. Cause it's very important, especially now. I mean, even at our age, I mean, we can get away with some, you know, weaker parts of our abdominals now, but as you age, if your back goes, forget it the rest of the training is going to go okay because that's what happens you the more sedentary you are <coughs> excuse me the you know the closer you are to the grave so you don't want to do that so mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and you might hear the words ab exercises and think immediately yeah. of crunches yeah think immediately of your eighth grade pe class when you're no. lying uh, desperately on your back in the hardwood floor of the gymnasium <laughs> and trying you know, desperately to to bring your chin up towards your knees, your bent knees, yeah. as your partner held your feet, pinned them to the floor. We don't mean that. You don't necessarily need to lie down on your back and do crunches. 
right? There are tons yeah. of ways to work the core. I think we mentioned probably the best way to do it, which is to do these compound lift yep. movements. But also you can do bridges, right? You could sit, uh, you can lie down on your yeah. back and simply bridge yourself up. Or yep. you can lie down prone on your abdomen and try to extend exactly. do that do that Superman movement. So, you know, it doesn't have to be so laborious and mm. boring and tedious as the traditional ab crunch. Thousand crunches, right? which, yeah, which three times a day. No. Uh, but so, uh, you said uh, the compound lifts, definitely, they all work your abs if you're not wearing a belt. Mm, so, mm. Uh, you know, a lot of power lifters, uh, when they're trying to max out, obviously you're going to wear a belt. But if you're just doing your basic, I'm sorry, uh, your basic, you know, like not so heavy lifts, try, I... I never wear a belt mm -hmm. for the fact that I think of it as like a cast. So if you're uh, casting your, your, your abdominal wall, okay, you're protecting it. You're trying to protect it while you lift. You're going to weaken all those stabilizer muscles. Mm -hmm. Just like when you break your arm and they put a cast on your arm, and you can't move it. You take off your cast and what happens to your arm? Your arm's half the size of the other arm. So think about that when you're training your abs and, when you're doing these compound movements, try to do it in the right form, but try to limit the belt yeah. to maybe like your super heavy sets. <laughs> or not at all. Yeah. yeah. As a non-competitive athlete, yeah. hardly as an athlete, uh, but I've never been one to wear the belt. Yeah. Uh, now, of course, I'm not lifting very heavy weights comparatively, um, but I've always prioritized the utilization of my own musculature mm -hmm. uh, to progress the weight, to move the weight. Uh, and to me, that's certainly worth it, and I would prefer not to have to rely on, on that belt. That's yeah. That's that's something that I'm becoming uh, in the last five, six years, uh, maybe even longer. I've come away from all. I had. I used to have all this gym equipment. Yeah. I had the belt. I had the straps. All the all these things, and I'm like, well, why? Why? Why do I? Why do I need these straps so I can? If I can't hold it, I shouldn't be able to lift it. Mm -hmm. So that's the way I think now. So. Uh, my strong, my forearms and my grip strength have gotten tremendously stronger mm -hmm. because which of that reason. Is, I'm glad you mentioned that, which yeah. is a great indicator of general health and yeah. longevity. Grip strength. Yeah, that's true. Grip yeah. strength. It's one of those things that is often overlooked. That as well as how quickly one can rise from the floor. How quickly can you get up from from a position mm. on which you might find yourself after a fall or you know after getting up in the morning from a, uh, you know, from bed. That and grip strength are indicative of, of general well-being. Yeah. Kind of strange things that you, again, would easily overlook but are vitally important. Oh, I, I agree. Totally. So we want to, as much as you can, subdue the ego as you enter your 50s and 60s. Yeah. No more Let maxing. go of that belt. <laughs> take it off. <laughs> let go of those straps and really focus on using your grip strength, yep. using your core, uh, continuing on with these compound exercises mm -hmm. and really keeping that habit and keeping the momentum going forward. So as we go forward, we're now knocking on the doorstep of our seventh decade of life. We're entering our 70s. What would you suggest that we do? Well, in our 70s, uh, I would say definitely 100% is include as much strength training as possible because your your body's not going to want to hold on to muscle anymore. It's you're 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 going backwards. You know you're gonna. It's going to be hard to like maintain the body weight you had in your 40s, even. You know, so as much compound movements with 
as much intensity as your body allows. So this goes back to the uh, listening to your body. Okay, there's good pain, bad pain. Uh, you know, I've learned that through the decades, and uh, you know, you, you could tell when something's about to go wrong. Usually, a couple reps before, before I would be like, yeah, let's just push through that, see what happens. Now you get to those three or four last couple reps, and you're like, mm, that's enough. Okay, so that's what you really need to do in your 70s is really know when to put the weight down. Yeah. Okay, but also still do it. Still, still keep doing the. Don't change the exercises. Maybe change the, uh, the the range of motion in some of them. You know, I wouldn't recommend, uh, like I said, straight bar deadlifting in your 70s. You know, so uh, hex bar, thousand percent. Dumbbells, thousand percent. Hyperextensions, yes. They, to get that hip mobility, which is most m- women are amazing at it. I had women clients in their 80s, and th- their hips are fine. Mm. What, what happens is uh, their knee, the women's knees sometimes go. But um, even your ankle mobility too is is crucial, which people don't realize is is just uh, keeping your ankles flexible by doing calf raises and walking outside, keeping those little capillaries in your in your lower part of your legs because that's the farthest away from your heart and um, as we age, we want to keep those leg veins as healthy as possible because you see people all the time with swollen limbs, swollen feet, swollen ankles, and that's a that's a blood flow issue. And you you're know? talking in very close proximity to the to the one word that I haven't yet heard, but you're very very close to it, and that is balance. And you're absolutely yeah. right that ankle mobility becomes yeah. essential as you enter your oh, yeah. sixth and seventh and eighth decades yeah. of life because of falls. balance and mm-hmm. falls. So a great thing that you can do, take off your shoes, yeah. get out into the sand, walk in the sand, yep. you know, do your exercises, do it, whether it be Tai Chi or Pilates or even light yeah. cardio here in, uh, in Florida. I see older men yeah. and some older women as well, jogging barefoot, very slowly jogging, but but still, it's a wonderful thing. And I you're love in, it. in the sun, in the sand, yeah. with the sweat, and using all those intrinsic foot muscles that are often, well, unutilized when yeah. they're stuffed into shoes and high heels and flip flops. Now they're free. Now they're able to respond to the to yeah. the, va- the vagaries of the sand to, you know, establish good balance with every single step and to heighten their sensitivity. That's, so, yeah, you were right. Ankle mobility is essential. But I'll add on to that. Balance. Yep. So balance with ankle mobility, foot flexibility, foot yep. flexibility. Yes, key. It's, it's key. key. We can do a whole episode on that. Yeah, we or... shall. We shall. <laughs> so we'll we'll say that maybe as you approach the seventies, the eighties, the nineties, yeah. fundamental to your fitness should be, well, continuing your fitness, never mm-hmm. stopping, but also maintaining a very good strong core yep. and excellent balance. Excellent balance. Key. Definitely. Yeah. I agree. So I think we covered just about every pertinent decade of course you 80 and 90 year olds out there we apologize we'll have to do another episode for yeah we'll do one for those you guys who are octogenarians and nonagenarians <laughs> to recap very quickly in your 20s a decade that to mm-hmm. which we both bid adieu yeah, you just look at the weights and grow <laughs> you just want to look at the weights and grow all right this is a very <laughs> anabolic stage you want to ensure that your technique is exquisite you want to lay the good foundation ensure that your compound mm-hmm. lifts are proper you're doing them properly yeah. and do them with intensity do them with great intensity mm-hmm. you enter your 30s now we're focusing a little bit more on flexibility mm-hmm. and cardio 
Mind-muscle connection. Mind-muscle yeah. connection should at this point be established. If it's not, mm -hmm. you need to go to remedial classes. Call James. He will assist you with that. We then enter our 40s. Joint protection. Mm -hmm. right. That doesn't mean you cannot run for distance. You likely should run for distance, or at least short distances. Yeah. Um, and that won't sacrifice your joints. Uh, and it will be a good thing for your cardio fitness overall. Entering our 50s, 60s, and 70s, we're working and focusing on core and balance. Mm -hmm. And keeping as much muscle mass as possible. And substituting, if you can, the hex bar yeah. for the traditional barbell. Maintaining that muscle mass, ensuring that we're consuming at least a gram of protein per body weight. Oh, yeah. And that's especially important as you enter these more advanced stages of life. So I think that was extremely comprehensive, yeah. very enlightening. For which I have to thank you, James. You provided oh, thanks for having an me. excellent amount of yeah. <laughs> content and information to everybody. Of course, you're always welcome here on Finner and Zwick. <laughs> you're becoming an integral part of Finner and Zwick. Nice. I like it. So if you, dear listener, have any comments, any suggestions, or any questions about these matters uh, on which we expanded today, please feel free to email me personally, and I could always share my email with uh, James. So you'll be reaching out to either one of us or you can comment below in the section uh, <laughs> that is for that purpose and we will absolutely return with a appropriate response promptly so before any more planes fly overhead <laughs> we're going to bid you farewell uh, this is james flood i am of course daniel finner and thank you so very much for joining us today and stay tuned for more content thank you again